With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. I'm joined today by Paul Wadlington, longtime uh, member of the staff of Inside Texas, one of the... Uh, originators of uh, the blogosphere on Texas, Texas sports. I think that would be a fair term for uh, Paul and his, his uh, well-known history. How you doing tonight? Or how you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. I, I, I'm just pleased that we live in a world where we can get this kind of entertainment for free, Bobby. I'm going to cancel my Netflix subscription. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, in the last 24, 48 hours, we've seen uh, Nick Saban called the Aggies, whether, you know, he's called the Aggies cheat, cheaters. He said he bought their class. And then he goes back and says, well, no, it's not cheating. And in between that, Jimbo Fisher comes out and, I mean, for 10 minutes, basically just says everything under the sun. We didn't cheat. Nobody got any money. Not sure what you're talking about. I mean, it was a, it was a hands wash I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Nobody's done anything wrong here. Kind of a soliloquy, I guess, is the best word to put it. I, look, I don't know even where to start. That, that's, how, I, that's, that's where I am at on it, because it's been, I mean, from afar watching it and having been somebody that said that this is what people are saying. You know, I, I wrote this about two weeks ago. This is what people are saying. And I wasn't making it up. And then no. for Nick Saban, of all people, in this world to come out and say it means and it shows I'm not, I wasn't making it up, you know, no matter what Aggie fans want to think. And then for their response to be so vehement, I mean, I don't even, I, I don't know where even to start. All right. I can sum up the Jimbo Fisher press conference this way. Can you, you want to do a little role play with me? Sure. All right. You're my, you're my beautiful wife. You're going to walk in the door and you're going to ask me how my day was. Paul, how was your day? I'm not having an affair. You're having an affair. <laughs> that oh was Jimbo goodness. Fisher today. Yeah, I, I feel like, I, I, I don't know. There's a couple of things I want to get, get right, uh, first of all. Um, Saban today came back, or I should say Thursday afternoon, came back and said on Sirius XM, well, I wasn't just poking at A&M or saying they were doing anything illegal. But he did say that NIL used as a recruiting, I mean, he, he did say that, that they bought their players and it was used via NIL. And furthermore, he should know as the head coach of Alabama that using NIL as an adu inducement to sign with a team is illegal. Um, and so whether he meant to or not, he in fact did. Yes. Uh, and this is the all-time greatest coach, according to some. Uh, right, saying this, uh, and, and and I just feel like that has to be clarified. Furthermore, you have Jimbo Fisher saying he likes confrontation, never been a, never been about it, 
but then not accepting Nick Saban's phone call. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what? Where's the? Where's the the lady of justice in that argument? I, I mean, I could be, I, I don't think I, if somebody accused me of cheating though, to be fair with Jimbo Fisher, I wouldn't be taking the call either. I'd be texting them back, you know, the big F you, but I just, I feel like we're in some kind of alternative reality here. It's, it's, it's that bizarre. Well, so there's a lot to unpack here, but coaches aren't supposed to do this to each other and certainly not to conference mates. Um, do you remember the big, to do, and this is interesting to look back in retrospect, remember Joe Paterno said, I can't retire because I can't leave college football to the Jackie Sherrills of the world. Now we look back at that statement with knowing what we know about what happened at Penn State and the denial and, and all the stuff that gets swept under the rug. And, you know, that was more serious than paying off some guys with Corvettes, but it was, that was a big deal at the time. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. No, I, I specifically remember that. And, and to your point, it's the unspoken rule. It's right? American. Yeah, you, you don't, you know, we're all in this together. Right. And, you know, I've, I've used the term, we don't necessarily need to know how the sausage is made. Right. You know, just make sure that it's good. And, you know, Nick Saban has made sure it's pretty good for a long time, you yeah. know, and he just went there though. And so well, I'm, you, I'm not sure what to say. What was interesting about Saban's original comments is he was very cagey, right? He didn't say Jimbo's cheating. He said they bought every player in the class with NIL. He added that, right? And he didn't suggest it was an inducement, but he didn't say it wasn't. The, the key was there was subtext there which said that A&M dropped bags in the old school 80s cheating way, and they're gonna try to make it up after the fact and pretend it's NIL. That was Saban's implication. And that is what he meant. What was Jimbo's implication? Hey, what was Jimbo's implication back? Well, it was, it was you do it too, buddy, and we're doing <laughs> it better. And, and I think, that look, the best thing about that was the complete lack of composure that Jimbo evidenced in that press conference. Now, there's certain things in life that you're not going to be composed about if someone accuses you of certain things. But there is the, the old Shakespeare, uh, she doth protest too much, right? Jimbo was a little too heated and animated, where I, I think a better response would have been a press release, not a press conference. And you just say, hey, we're all about competition at Texas A&M. We're all about excellence. The fact is we outworked and outfought, outfought Nick Saban on the field in front of 100,000 screaming Aggies. And then we outworked and outfought Nick Saban off the field on the recruiting trails. We signed a hell of a class. We love these young men and their families. And we're excited that they're Aggies. Nick, you, can, you worry about Alabama. I'll worry about Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, to, to, to your point, um, I feel like there was a lot of things that could have been handled different. It, it was eerily similar to Hugh Freeze's, hey, we're not, <laughs> we're not uh, cheating here. Just turn us into compliance if you have something um, legitimate. And lo and behold, you know, years later. Un not That's when the narrator of the documentary goes, they did turn him into compliance. And then it shows him in handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the issue, you know, that's kind of interesting to me. 
you know, in that, in that, or in that uh, play or whatever you want to say, Ross Bjork was the Ole Miss AD at the time. <laughs> and now he's the no. Texas A&M AD having to do it all over again. Um, you know, I, look, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know all of this. I mean, anybody that thinks they know everything is just. Hey, talk about, we don't know everything, but we know enough things to know why this is so funny at multiple levels. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that, I don't know. I can't sit here and say pinpoint, you know, he did this, they did that. Um, you know, Nick Saban, I, I'll say this, Nick Saban coming off as, you know, never done anything wrong. And he's yeah. got a 30 or 40 year career in the, in the industry that he's in and had the success he's in. I mean, there would be times when you'd think, you know, Jimbo Fisher has some accuracy to that. Likewise, you would think that Nick Saban knows how the sausage is made in College Station, just like he does in Tuscaloosa or, yep. or Athens, Georgia, or anywhere else. Um, and so I feel like, I, I, I just feel like it's, it's grown men arguing um, about things that they would both just prefer not to talk about at all. Right. Um, and yet they did. Well, I, I think Jimbo's reaction was, you're going to break the code, I'm really going to break the code. And I mean, he called him a narcissist. He said he had a God, God complex and that he needed to be slapped upside the head. You don't hear that a lot in, in college football coaching circles. Both men paid around 10 million a year to coach, by the way. Yeah. It, well, you know. well, there's an old joke about why are, um, why are faculty disagreements at a university so vicious and personal? And the answer is because the stakes are so small. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I get I, I see where you're going. Um, you know, we look at it, Greg Sankey, uh, the uh, commissioner of the SEC, issued reprimands to both Saban and <laughs> and Jimbo <laughs> Fisher today. I, I mean, what do you even if you're Greg Sankey, what are you even supposed to say to either of these men who basically just went out and I mean, one called one a cheater. The other one called another a narcissist. Yeah. And, and a cheater, insinuating that there was cheating in Saban's background. I didn't use the words, but boy, it sounded like he was calling Nick Saban a cheater, right? I mean, no doubt. What, what do you, if you're Greg Sankey and you come out, the best you can do is a, a reprimand. I mean, why don't you like, I, I don't know what college football has gotten some characters in it right now. And Greg Sankey, that, are the uh, uh, commissioner of the SEC is one of those now because I mean he's basically looking like the like the principal of two first grade teachers arguing with one another. Well, and, and Lane Kiffin is that kid who's <laughs> egging both on <laughs> because it's 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 the equivalent of Justin texting Eric and being like, "Hey, do you think you could beat Paul in a fight?" He doesn't think you <laughs> could, and then he texts me and goes, "Man, Eric, Eric." kind of wants to throw down with you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And Eric's like, what are you, that's weird. Why would he say that? And all of a sudden you get a little, Lane's the guy going fight, 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 fight. He's egging it on. It's, it's hilarious. And he worked for Saban. I mean, yeah. And, and look, I mean, and he's not, I think the thing about Lane Kiffin too, you can say what you want. He's not, he's not sanctimonious about the virtue of college football. 
No, he's right. He, he, he's like, look, it's a sport and we're playing it. And, you know, it's, it's, let's not pretend we're, you know, curing cancer. Uh, right. Whereas both Saban and Fisher, I think, take it a little a yes. different level of seriousness about, about their roles. Well, Lane Kiffin is a hustler. And those guys are trying to be maximum. You know, these are tasteful spread, you know, like Lane Kiffin's like, no, this is what we're doing. You know, let's let's not have any compunctions about what it is, we're, what industry we're in. I, 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 Paul, I've got to be honest with you. You said hustler. And I was like, what is he even talking about? And I was like, I, like Lane, Lane Kiffin, then, then I'm thinking, you mean the the <laughs> the, the TNA magazine, the, yeah. the everything magazine, instead of just, hey, let's be tasteful and wear like bikini cutups and you know that's right i don't know paul <laughs> that may be too rich even for me there right. the, the, you got your title for your pod yeah there you go it, a hustler versus maxim yeah um greg sankey in the middle <laughs> refereeing yeah i i don't know what to say um you know we, we talk about this uh in, in, in nil's impact on the game uh because that's kind of what saban was getting at yeah, I think that, you know, that's not what Fisher was getting at in his his presser. He was just saying, hey, we didn't buy anybody. We didn't buy anybody. We didn't buy anybody. Um, what do you think of, of NIL's impact in the game thus far through a year of, of having it really or nine months, I guess? It's, it's going to change everything. Uh, it's going to change everything about the sport. Uh, Nick Saban, by the way, is the guy who bragged at the advent of NIL that his quarterback hadn't taken a snap and already had made a million dollars. So we'll just keep that in mind when St. Nick is protesting. Um, you know, I want to be clear. People act like there's sides to be taken here. There's no real sides. It's, I'm amused by it all. I just, I just want to see it continue. I think it's great. I don't want Greg Sankey to get in, in between the fight. I want Lane Kiffin to keep hanging it on. But yeah, I mean, NIL's broader impact, Bobby, it's going to change everything. The sport's never going to be the same. And so... The, the inherent tension here is the players. I'm, I'm, I'm down for the players being paid. I don't have a problem with it. I never bought into the exploitation narratives. I think that was a, a little silly. But I don't mind them getting paid. But by the same token, the players need to have some awareness that without that longhorn on their helmet, without the Aggies across their chest, without those fans at Alabama feeling like they have a connection to the school, they're just a bunch of guys in the semi-pro league playing in front of 800 people at House Park in Austin, Texas. Okay, that's what you're doing because you're not ready for the NFL at age 18. Earl Campbell accepted. So I think that's something the players need to have some cognizance of that don't kill the golden goose. You know, it's it, there's eggs getting laid right now. Harvest them. God bless you. But don't, don't make this so mercenary that people just say, well, this isn't even college football anymore. I'm just going to become a Cowboys fan. What do I care about these guys? They don't care about our school. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I, I think that you, you, you've said basically the, the right thing. And furthermore, um, you know, it's not like they have a bunch of options. If they want to create uh, value for themselves and become NFL players, they're going to go to the XFL or something else where they get, you know, they ostensibly, I don't know that Xavier Worthy could sign a contract uh, for probably what he got from Texas. 
uh, or from B. John Robinson from a Texas NIL or whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I just have, I find, I find that very interesting that we're in this, we're in this whole deal where um, it, it's, it's finding the right balance, um, you know, and we don't have it. And nobody seems, nobody I've heard of, Paul, this is what's most discouraging for me. Nobody I've heard of has said, this is how it should be. What do you think? Yeah. It's, it's been pass buck, pass the buck, pass the buck. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. They go to a rules committee in, um, in Scottsdale last week, and they come out with this, in, you know, I don't want to call it idiotic, but this really trite, you know, backpedal, uh, let's put the genie back in the bottle. You got it wrong. We, we should have said something earlier. And I don't hear anybody saying, okay, this is the way we're going to get control of it. Yeah. And this is the way we need to push for the future. I don't hear any of that from a conference commissioner. Um, I don't hear of any of it from uh, a president of a university or an athletic director that I, that I recognize. All I hear is this is bad. I'm, I'm interested for the first person to show, show up and say, this is how we fix it. What they did last week was reshuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. And we talked about that. It, it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I think a lot of this, too, is it reveals the, the toothlessness of the NCAA, right? The, the NCAA only has power insofar it has the consent of the people it's pretending to govern. And the minute a critical mass of football schools or conferences tell them to pound sand, the NCAA just helps run a basketball tournament. That's their job. Because they've abandoned any authority, even in the non-revenue sports. If you're looking at some of the competitive issues that are going on right now, in engendered sports, we can leave it at that. So, you know, I, I think it re reveals just what a fraud sort of the NCAA was and is in terms of, I think they thought they had invested power. And I think they're realizing that they, they can be a tool, certainly of the key conferences and, you know, and the, the big schools fueled by TV money, but only if they want to use them as an intermediary, right, to enforce their will and, and use them as a governing body. But the NCAA in and of itself is, is meaningless. And if enough schools and critical mass just say, you know, go pound sand, NCAA, the NCAA effectively ceases to exist in college football as a governing authority. You know, I, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. And, and I know we got off track a little bit talking about the portal, but I think that that was the, the that along with NIL uh, and the confluence of those two events. Yeah. Not, not one by itself, but both of them together have set about to change college football. Yeah. Um, more than college basketball. Um, college basketball still feels kind of the same. Yeah, they have a bunch of one one-year transfers, but you know what? They already have one and dones with the NBA draft. Yeah. Right. And so that, that concept was already there, but um, you know, I, I look back at it and a guy like Jade Barron um, contemplates transferring strictly because of NIL. This is a guy that had less than 15 total tackles in his career and was going to start every game for the first time in his career. Yet he was contemplating transferring because he wasn't getting enough he didn't feel like he was being taken care of from an NIL perspective. I mean, what, where, where is that hit? Like, it's one thing when you know a guy almost catch, has a thousand yards in receiving and truly moves the needle from a, a win loss perspective and Xavier Worthy. 
Where right. does it come out with with a guy? And not and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make Jade Barron sound like a bad guy because that's not my that's my not my intent. What I'm trying to say is how does that position even become tenable long term? I mean, it just it struck me as just okay. This is another bridge too far. Yeah, I mean, on the basis of a strong spring offseason, he wants a pluckers contract. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right. So, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, I think you probably have to have some broad NIL that sort of like the pancake thing with the offensive lineman. Everybody sort of gets paid irrespective. And then you might have some individual players that reap larger benefits. You've got the, the burnt ends program that, you know, Surly Bevo launched. I'm actually a part of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm putting in NIL money, so I'm a hypocrite to, to, you know, decry it i just think you have to try to find some sort of limitations and you have to find some ways to make it broad enough uh, so that every player gets a little gets their beak wet right yeah that might have addressed the jude barons this is interesting to me because you mentioned that and that's something that saban said in the early part of that that uh uh q a he was having is he was talking about we're gonna try to get it to where everybody makes a little something off nil and then above and beyond that you make whatever um you know, that, that seems to me like, you know, it, it, it all depends on what they're doing for that little something. Is it just being on yeah. the team or is it going out and horns with heart? For example, I talked to the guy from there, Rob, Rob Blair, they're going out and working with Derek Johnson's charity, or they're donating their time to do something around the Austin community or uh, raise funds for charity. It, there's gotta be, it, it can't be just pay for play. The, the, the players actually have to do something there has to be a quid pro quo for this. Yeah, but not. I, I know. I, well, see, that's that's what that's what I mean. Whenever it, it's there's not, and I've, I've gotten into this with a lot of people. For my from my understanding, the vagaries itself of what nil is is part of the problem. It, it can't be performance based. We know that. Yeah. Right. No. No doubt. But it is inherently performance based. If you're Xavier Worthy yes. and you caught over a thousand, you caught a thousand yards worth of balls, and all of a sudden you're the name of the team, that, that the performance of the player likely increases his value. I mean, Vince Young as the third string backup compared to Vince Young, Rose Bowl winner, is he performed on the field, thus he makes NIL. Yeah, I I, I feel like. You know, I just feel like they're the NCAA and whoever's running college football right now is trying to too narrowly define what NIL is. And because of that, they're getting messed up in the head and not coming up with any real rules that will help govern the sport. So ultimately, who's going to have to come up with these rules, right? It's the it's the key conferences and more specifically, the key schools in those conferences. We're talking about two dozen schools, aren't we? Probably. Yeah. So they need to come together. It's it's the likely suspects in the Big Ten, the SEC, Texas, OU, 
USC now wants to play football again. They decided they're, they're playing sports again. Um, you know, uh, you've got some other schools maybe just below that, that, you know, might have a seat at the table, might not, but that's what you're talking about. I mean, these are the drivers of college football and it's really on them. Now, are they incentivized or do they want that separation and bifurcation in NIL? Does, does Texas want to rein it in right now? I don't know about that. Seems like a pretty good advantage. Um, that said, if you're Texas Tech or Houston and you've got a billionaire or some very active multimillionaires who decide this is their raison d'etre, right? This is what they're going to do. You can become a player in college football, right? But with a narrow focus and just buying certain key players at certain key positions, right? You can, you can attack this like an NFL GM. What positions will have an outsized impact on my football team vis-a-vis -vis the free, the free market of NIL and the portal. You know, I, I just, I'm just, I, I, we've gotten off on, on NIL at large and, and, and not talked about enough. I think about, about uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I, I, you know, I go back to the, the Fisher thing and I mean, it, you mentioned that you would have done a press release instead of a press conference. I, I, I hear you. I think it would have been definitely would have been tighter, less crazy. But when this is making little comments and little, you know, snarky asides. Was, was this though, was this Jimbo Fisher? Was this his, I'm, I'm a man, I'm 40 speech for Mike Gundy. Well, it began talking about the kids, Bobby, because the kids were harmed by Nick Saban. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Nick, I, Nick Saban attacked the children, Bobby. Yeah, that that's see that's it. That's why it, it you can't start with coach speak, which yeah. is what that was, and expect people that have been around the block to uh, nod their heads in agreement. But who was that for? Was that for you and me, or was that for his base? Well, I know it's for I know it's for his base. Yeah. But my my point is is that then it, it's like. You know, and I, and I look, every coach I know of has some level of coach speak in them, but it's used to typically used to not tell you what they really don't want to say. Sure. Right. And so for Jimbo or whoever to come out there and start like that is just it's, it's almost disingenuous. What wasn't just disingenuous was him calling uh, Nick Saban despicable. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, that that's like, okay, now get in, tell us how you really feel, as opposed to these trite, you know, one-liners that you're just throwing in there to try to make yourself, you know, prop yourself up in a way that that isn't really true. I mean, well, I just, he coined a new catchphrase, Bobby. Don't throw darts when you have no glass in your house. What is that? Can you don't throw stones? What, what well, about the... That's the thing, though, is you, you don't want to throw stones if you live in a glass house. But if you have no glass in your house, don't, don't throw, throw darts. Why not? Well, th that's a great point. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You got no glass. Throw darts. Throw stones. Roll boulders. Who cares? You got no glass in your house. I, I think we're living in unprecedented times. And uh, I think that college football got a... Um, in the last 24, 48 hours, 
got an education of sorts on just what the, when you see two coaches that are, I mean, Texas fans can get upset when you call Jimbo Fisher an accomplished coach, but he's won a national championship. He's well-known throughout the industry. Um, He's not accomplished today and now. No, no, I didn't say that. But my, my point being is this is you see two coaches that make roughly $10 million a year. Yeah. And they're one's hurling accusations from a podium or from a, from a dais that he's behind answering questions openly. And the other ones then at a, at a press conference, basically eschewing all questions and just going on a diatribe. I mean, where have we gone? I mean, where, where is the sanity in all of this? Because it just looks like, it's just, it looks foolish. I mean, I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. And I know that Aggie fans, well, well, he's taken up for us and Alabama fans. Well, you know, Nick has always done it right. Well, I mean, really, I don't know the answer to all these things. It's just, it makes me feel like college football, or at least those two, those two guys took a step back in, in, in some way, shape or form. And that, to, to Jimbo Fisher's point, that may make Nick Saban not appear to be the god that some people think he is, which so, I do agree with him about that. Yeah. And furthermore, it, it you know it makes you think about Jimbo Fisher. Well, what what on God's green earth is really going on? Because that nobody comes out like I mean, it just doesn't happen. Well, there's a a reversion to archetype, right? You, you, there's certain things you can do and say and posture that feeds your fan base. And with Texas, it drives me crazy. I hate all the we are the Joneses bullshit. I don't know about you. I just get so tired of hearing that. But you see someone post that on the board and it's going to get a bunch of likes and people are, oh, we are the Joneses. Oh, look at our, look at our profits. Look at this. And I'm like, are you getting a rebate from the university? Because I'm not. The way I get paid is wins. The way I get paid is watching our teams kick ass on the field. That's how I get paid. So I get tired of that. The way Aggies get fed is indignation, picked on underdog. He's standing up for us. Everyone thinks they're better than us. There's even though Aggies, A&M is greatly normalized as a school, right? I mean, it's, you go to A&M, it feels like a, a big college campus, pretty much like anywhere else, right? But they still have that undercurrent you know, we're the underdog, we're, we're indignant, people, people overlook us, people try to degrade us, we need, we'll, we'll rally behind anyone who will stand for us. Alabama has that blue blood <laughs> sort of self-perception that's been really reinforced by the incredible success of the last, what, 15 years? Right at, yeah. And, and right before that, they were lost in, lost in, the, lost in, the, in the ocean, right, looking for a, a bearing. So, you know, this, what Nick was doing was really reconfirming that if we lose, whether it's on the field or off the field in recruiting, it's because someone else did something untoward. <coughs> and all the rest of college football, particularly the SEC, is laughing, saying, is Alabama accusing some, like, mocking someone for cheating? Like, we appreciate the sophistication that Alabama brought to the game of, of cheating and inducements, but let's not pretend... I understand Tennessee's a bunch of idiots for putting cash in McDonald's bags. Bama doesn't roll that way, but let's not get sanctimonious, St. Nick. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's just, 
you know, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning, Paul. I mean, these guys, I, I enjoy college football for what college football is, for the sport, the camaraderie between the fans, the passion against the, the other fan. I, I enjoy uh, reading a, an Aggie versus a Longhorn on a message board sometimes. Of course. I, I, I enjoy, and, I, and I, you know, I've been lucky enough to see it, it at other places too, whether it's Auburn and Alabama or, or whomever. And that's part of the fun of it. Um, but well, for, to see two coaches go to go at it is just a different level. And they're talking about things that you just don't want, you, you know, at some point you just don't want to know some of this stuff. Well, in a weird way though, Bobby, I'm part of the problem, right? I contribute to NIL. You're part of the problem, buddy. You and Shannon Terry were uniquely responsible for the architecture of a lot of these fan experience websites in which you absolutely have a greater experience, right? It's better, it's fun, it's the best, it's, it's so fun. But we know a lot now because of why. I, I, I don't disagree. Are because we relying on beat reporters anymore? I, I remember I, when we first started Rival, you go back to that. When we first started that, you know, there literally were, um, there were only a handful of websites out there that were actually had real reporters. Right. I mean, and now I think that we were counting it up the other day. I was trying to count it up. I think there are over 800 people employed between um, rivals on three and 24 seven sports wow. that are, that are covering college football and football recruiting. That is just that and basketball and basketball recruiting, excuse me. That is just an amazing figure. And, um, you know, 20 years ago, and that's not including the newspapers that still have a staff, the local radio stations that still have a staff. It's just on top of what they already had. And so there are, there are a lot more eyeballs and people uh, out there trying to, to, to uh, break news and, and find out what's really going on. And think about that radio, right? Um, when they have on the, the reporter from the local rag, there's no, in the next segment, you're going to hear from insider Kirk Bowles about the Texas program. But how many times have you or I or, or, or Justin or Eric appeared? And that's exactly how they tag us, right? The, the, the presumption is we have deeper and, and, and better and, and more foundational knowledge about what's going on than traditional media because we're, you know, we're so deep into it. And, and there, there's some validity to that. Not that I'm not saying Kirk doesn't have, you know, I'm not going there, but, you know, Kirk is a columnist that has, you know, 10 other things to write about. He has to go write about the Texas Rangers and the Dallas sure. Cowboys. And I, I feel like, you know, we, we've gotten off here, but uh, on a tangent, but I, I feel like really, whether it's the fan-driven approach and camaraderie that I like uh, or the game itself, um, I, I feel it's, it's still what I said. After hearing what Jimbo Fisher and watching that today, I feel like the game took a step back. The, mm. the game took a hit. Whether Aggie fans want to believe that or not, after watching that press conference, I absolutely believe that's, that's what occurred because it was just it – was, it was weird. I mean, it was like a guy, here's a grown man making 10 million a year saying that another grown man should get slapped upside the head. Yeah. I felt like I was watching WWE 
and not college football. Yeah. I felt like Vince McMahon was going to show up and, you know, hand the mic over to, to Nick Saban next after well, watching a, Jimbo. There's been a larger coarsening of the culture. And a lot of the, the roles and standards that we sort of assumed and honored have sort of eroded, right? In a lot of areas. So, so why wouldn't it happen in college football? And some people say, you know what? It's about time because everything was fake and posture and a bunch of BS. And actually this is authentic interaction between two guys who have a beef, right? So, so yes, but here's the, here's the point. I just compared it to WWE, which is the ultimate fake. That's right. right. <laughs> Joe Cook is going to watch this and be very offended. <laughs> yeah. that, it's like, you know, I don't know what to say. I, I feel like we, you know, we've talked, we've probably talked enough here, Paul, but I, you know, I, I am of the opinion that, that, you know, I hope that the Texas Longhorns coach doesn't go on one of these. He's not. Uh, and, and talk, talk like this. I think that he did a good job on the, the, you know, the Longhorn tour of the different cities around the state. I talked to Joe Cook about that earlier today. And, and he seems to, to think that that's in, in good hands there. Um, and I, I hope that college football as a whole finds a way to come together and actually create rules that do create parity or at least perceived parity so that everybody's, you know, swinging from the same, sing, swing, swinging from the same tee box basically. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case ever. Um, but I hope, I hope it's something like that. I really do because otherwise we're, we're just headed down the path where we're going to see, I, I just don't even know what's next. I mean, our assistants going to be calling out assistants or, you know, the recruiting guys from each school going to be saying, Oh, this guy's cheating. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Is, is probably the answer. Uh, but you know, there is a, there is an element of, of mad, right? There's an element of mutually assured destruction. And that's always been the thing that sort of held, held back the nukes getting deployed. Right. And, you know, the problem is if you're an upstart, it's not tolerated, right? We've seen that in the SEC. You have a long history of the Blue Bloods cheating, and then Ole Miss tries to rise up and improve their station, and it gets swatted down, right? So I think it's interesting that AM is saying, hey, hey, we're not going to be treated as one of those schools. We may not be a Blue Blood, but we're not one of the, the downtrodden either. And so, you know, maybe that's part of what's going on here. It's, it's a little bit of a wrangling and then a, a sense of a, a shift in power structure. But, you know, Nick Saban's legacy is assured, Bobby. He can yeah, they're going to look back at this as, as, a, as a small uh, blemish on his. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and, you know, he is at the end of his career as well, most yeah. likely. I mean, I'm not saying he's leaving after this year or something to – like that I don't, i'm not reporting that for sure my point would be is that at some point he's got well he's got five years most at most left i bet he's gone in the next two yeah it, but my that's my point jimbo fisher is a different story in his tenure at a&m his legacy is still yet to be um yet to be known i guess is the best way to put it so all right Was paul you're your awesome guest as always i i knew i had to talk to you about this today uh, because I just felt like, uh, of all people, uh, you would have some unique viewpoints on it and have some good one-liners for me and, and be able to entertain everybody too. 
Um, well, I, I, it's my pleasure to come on here. I always enjoy it. And when you texted me, <laughs> I was slammed. You know, so I've got a ton of stuff going on. I wanted to throw up a quick article. I had to do Austin radio. And I was like, yes, of course I will do it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yes, we are going to talk. You also closed on a house today, I believe. Congratulations. That was the hey, other thing, you. right? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, all right. All right, for Paul Wadlington of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thanks for watching this uh, this video. We'll have more tomorrow. Take care. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.